0: Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Atlanta, Georgia, it's time for Midtown Business Radio.
1: Good afternoon, everyone. It's C.W. Hall, your host here on the Midtown Business Radio show. I think you're going to be interested in listening to this particular episode, I'm talking with some financial experts from IRC Wealth here in Atlanta. Got the founder and CEO, David Ragland, and he brought a guest with him here in the studio. But uh, thanks for taking some time to join us in the middle of your day here, David.
2: Charles, great to be here. So happy to spend time with you. And I brought along Joe Shum, our Director of Business Development, who has now been with us for almost a year.
1: Well, I was tickled when I got home last night. I got a, I got a book FedEx to me, the Wealth Made Simple that you just came out with not too long ago, and uh, had a chance to sit down and read through it. And uh, I found your story that you shared um, kind of in terms of what kind of made you really start making some personal changes and how you related those to one's personal financial situation I thought were very applicable. For me as somebody that runs and does some training, as I'm sure we'll get to talk about here in a second, um, it really made it easy for me to kind of understand what you were trying to say and how you were going about it. So kind of take me through your story a little bit. How did this whole IRC wealth and, and, uh, and then ultimately the book come about?
2: Charles, we're very excited about our new book. We just uh, launched it this year and we're fortunate it hit the bestseller list on Amazon. And it is a story of my life compiled over a 15-year period of time back in 1980 during the Olympics when I recognized that I was significantly overweight and needed to d- change my life for the better. And I took on the journey of becoming an Ironman, and at the same time, I found significant parallels between becoming an Ironman and becoming financially free and taking back control, not only of my body, but also taking back control of my finances.
1: So you've been doing finance kind of work for basically most of your career, sounds like?
2: Absolutely. I graduated from the University of Georgia with an accounting degree and got a master's in tax and started my career at Ernst & Young and spent five great years with the firm, and then was recruited to be a CFO of a local manufacturer that was in trouble and we had a very good outcome and then I became a CFO for hire and I would come in and help small businesses turn their their businesses around and from that it led on to working with people trying to turn their personal finances around.
1: So you start working really hard, working long hours, really dedicating yourself to the business. And maybe not taking quite so much care of yourself, and then one day you look down a few years later, and you're like, holy cow, what, what's the deal? You were looking in the mirror one day, and what, who is this person?
2: Exactly. Well, actually, what happens is when I was looking at the mirror every single day, I still had hair. And <laughs> for some reason, I kept looking at myself, and I was the same person, the same person, the same person. But it wasn't until I saw a family photo at the uh, Summer Olympics in Atlanta and I couldn't recognize myself. I was significantly overweight and by then I'd lost all the hair on the top of my head and I said, who is this person? And so it made a dramatic impact on me. And that one picture, that one day I said, I have to make a significant change in my life. And I didn't know exactly what it was going to be, but I knew I had to make a change. And then all of a sudden I saw a episode of Wild World of Sports talking about the Iron Man. and I saw the story of a father and a son completing the Iron Man by the name of Rick and Dickie Hoy. Yeah, and I remember that story. Pretty amazing story that the father uh, pulls the son in a dinghy, puts the, the the son on a bike, and also pushes him in the wheelchair. And I said to myself, if they have that much determination and pride in their own lives to complete that, I need to get off the couch and do something.
1: And so you decided you would do an Ironman. I mean, you, you weren't like, I want to go out and run 5Ks. Uh, You're like, I'm going to go for an Ironman. What is that? That's a a 2.4 mile swim, 114 mile ride, 26.2 run.
2: Very close Uh, 2.4, 112, and a marathon at the end. And so, if you're going to jump into the pool, you might as well jump into the uh, deep end of the pool. And as they say, starting an Ironman is like jumping into a human washing machine. You start a 2.4 mile swim with 2,000 of your favorite people climbing all over you. So, it's an exhilarating experience. And so, I. Ha- just jumped in and went for it. And
1: so you obviously had some success. You've done multi- multiple Ironmans now, full-length Ironmans. You're clearly looking at you. It's it's obvious that you're an athlete now and, and that you train regularly. Um, but uh, take me through kind of the, the analogies that you shared in the book, Wealth Made Simple, um, as it relates to my personal finances we can talk a little bit i shared a little bit about my story and how i related to the book you wrote but kind of take me through the, the the thought of trying to help people understand you got to have a plan for your finances there's probably not going to happen just like with with what you were trying to do with your personal fitness
2: right what i found in training for the iron man was i had to keep it simple a simple plan number one entailed I wanted to cross the finish line. So I knew where my destination was, where I wanted to go, let's cross the finish line. And then two was I had to come up with very simple steps to get there. And the same thing is true with your personal finances. Most people don't know where they're going when it comes to their money, so how are they going to get there? So the first thing that we try to teach in our coaching of personal finances, hey, just sit back and understand where do I need to go? Over what period of time do I need to get there? And then follow just four very simple steps to complete your planning process, which are spend less than you make and save a little bit every year. <laughs> yeah. Number two is get debt-free over time, because if you don't owe anything to anybody, yeah. you can certainly live off less. Number three is manage your downside, manage your risk. And I'll, number four is just have a little bit of extra cash you know, as a safety net, because it helps you both... Just in case you lose your job, and from an emotional standpoint, makes you be more confident in what you're doing. Oh, I
1: can imagine. I mean, I know in my own history um, as an individual, how with, with getting in fights with significant others just because you were stressing about money, and what a what a bummer way to have some chaos and anxiety in your in your home life as is due to finance when it's really not so much between each other, but that's where it comes out is 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 affecting your relationships so having that house in order if you will is is
2: so key to having peace in the home right i learned early on from a close friend and banker that it's not about the money it's about the communication especially mm-hmm. when it comes to couples if we both sit down and we determine a common goal and that we're both supporting each other in delivering that common goal a lot of the stress and the conflict goes away. So what we want to do is we want to talk about money and how the goals and how we feel about it and, okay, talk about the emotional aspects of money. And once we recognize that there is emotion involved in money, then we can take the emotion out. And once we take the emotion out of money, then it's easier to make a whole lot more and save.
1: Well, as as we were sitting around before we went on the air today, I, I... told you about how I personally related to the the content of your book and um, the way you laid it out and and I felt like that I can't be alone there's got to be other people like us and as I explained to you before we went on the air today um, came to Atlanta from Oklahoma City had a great job there made uh, you know high six figures on my on my own you know almost 200k and um, you know had had five figures in them a bank account and the checking account I mean I, we had had money um, moved here went through um, uh, a company that uh, got bought out and and so they they kept but a handful of the the floor folks that were you know producing for them because um, they already had those people they really just wanted the book of business as much as anything so a lot of us got cut loose and so then began the arduous journey back towards where I had been previously income wise. So during that phase of time, there was a period of time where I wasn't working. So savings gets depleted. Uh, you accrue a little bit of uh, revolving debt. Um, and, uh, and so then it just takes you, you, to recover from that while you're living today and then overcoming that. It's almost like a wound, if you will. It takes more energy to heal a wound than just to maintain yourself. Same kind of thing with that for, for, for me um, was getting to the place now where we have some income Uh, Pretty decent income now, um, but we find ourselves having to really pay attention to the budget. We're still servicing a little bit of debt. Uh, Recently bought a home. You know, and, and we bought one that we knew we could afford, but at the same time, we're in that delicate place where we're decent earners but don't get to live the life on that per se. And I was really uh, interested in, in, in your approach to being able to eliminate debt um, for folks. And I, I was wondering if you would share a little bit about that for the folks out there listening who are thinking about, man, I, I make a decent living, too, and I'm the same way. I couldn't go much more than at the most a few weeks without – then I'd be empty. So can you talk about how do you begin the process of moving towards some of the goals you talked about, eliminating debt being one of the big ones?
2: It's a great question. We have that every time someone walks in the door and usually when they come in, they ask very specific and very tactical questions. How can I save more? How can I pay off my debt? And I say immediately to those people, I don't know. Let's first figure out where you're going and the amount of money that you'll need in retirement, and what timeline. And once we have a destination, then the tactical questions of how do I save more, how do I pay down debt, those are easy questions to answer once you have the overall framework. Debt reduction is key because what people fail to recognize is is that when they take out a dollar of debt, they really have to earn a dollar and a half in the future than pay the 50 cents in tax just to turn around and pay the debt off. Right. So that's you know one thing. First of all, it's education first. One of the things that we're really trying to do is to educate our clients so that they can understand money better. Because money really is simple. I was very fortunate from an early age, my father was very good in finance. And so we learned it from an early age. So the dealings with these issues, such as how do I order, how much credit card debt do I pay off, how much home mortgage do I pay off, what's my second mortgage, these are educational processes that we want to sit down with clients and educate them so that they know really the answers before they come back to see us. Because the individual really is the quarterback to their personal finances. The more the client or the individual knows about their own personal finances, they're going to make better choices. For example, I had a woman come in my door one day, and it was the first time I'd met her. She was a referral from another client. And she sat down at my desk, and she says, I am still going to continue to buy my shoes. And I looked at her, and I said, "Well." not gonna not tell you to buy your shoes. And it was funny because the shoes in her life really were the emotional purchase that she was making yeah. and through the educational process we went through and we mapped out a plan together that she knew that she could obtain and get take back control of her finances. And by doing that, she really took control. We were just the coach up in the press box. she was calling the plays as the quarterback. Three years later, she comes back into my office. She's doing significantly well. She's saving into her 401K. She's paid off all of her credit card debt. She refinanced her mortgage. She got a lower rate. She now has cash. And the one thing that she said to me, she said was, I haven't bought a pair of shoes in three years. That was her making the choice. So I think it's the choices that we make today going forward, which helps us then take care of some of the debt that we've acquired in the past.
1: So if I'm somebody like myself, when does it make sense for me to get involved with someone like you uh, as a professional finance coach for
2: my personal finances? That's a great question. Really, you have to look at yourself and say, am I willing to really build a team? because there are people out there that definitely want to do it themselves. And there's a tremendous amount of information out there that you can do it yourself. I know a lot of people believe I can't do this. And our response is, yes, you can. If you come up with a simple plan, you can execute it. So the question is, when do I involve a coach? Now, a coach doesn't necessarily have to be a financial planner or a stockbroker or an insurance person. A financial coach can simply be someone that you know and you respect that knows how to work with money because these concepts are very, very simple to implement and engage. Now, if you do want to go to the next step, at some point in time, if you feel like that you don't know anybody that you can trust, then look to someone that your friends are are with, that really focus on education first. You really want to work with someone who has a long-term picture. And in your situa- situation, you're a perfect example of someone, hey, I, I you said I make more than six figures, and I have these expenses. Anybody can benefit from education, financial education, and anyone can benefit from working with a coach. I had the opportunity And I was working for a charitable organization last weekend, and we were working with uh, individuals that were in the process of, unfortunately, getting a divorce. And I spoke to this one woman in a 30-minute breakout session, and she told me the situation about how she was in a, a very violent marriage and that she wanted to get out of it. And she had really no financial questions, even though she asked a lot of technical questions. And the one thing that I went through with her is I said, you're 30 years old. You're going to be working, you know, do you have a family, uh, parents? Yes. Can you live with them? Yes. Then move back to Mississippi. Go ahead and finalize your divorce. Forget about the two or $3,000 that you're fighting with with your soon-to-be ex-spouse. And look at that. Over the next 30 years, even at minimum wage, you're going to earn over a million dollars. So the most important asset she had was herself. So sometimes working with a financial coach, you're looking with someone who's not only good with finances, but who understands the benefit that you have, because the most important asset that anyone has today is themselves.
1: So as it relates to personal finance matters, if say, say you have some debt, and I'm talking like revolving kind of debt, credit card debt, and you have We'll say, for easy math, $1,000 available after you pay your, your bills, your expenses, and so forth, the mortgage and all that. Where do you put the 1000 How much should you go to savings? Because I know savings and, and, and trying to establish a cash reserve and, and obviously saving for the future to be actually be able to retire at some point and not say, hey, welcome to Walmart. Um, the How do you try to – it would seem that uh, based on what I was reading that getting the debt gone is, is – really a big a big part of the factor but how do you how do you advise to allocate that
2: it, we're really very big believers in balanced approach so if you were just starting out and you do have debt and you have really no savings and you have no cash and you have that thousand dollars that you spoke of when working with someone in that situation we would probably allocate a third to your cash reserves, a third to a 401k plan that you're going to get significant tax savings on and significant uh, return on your money simply from the tax deduction, and a piece of it going to your debt. And it's more specific when you start looking at how do I allocate the money that I'm applying to debt. And we prefer to order the excess cash flow to the highest paid debt, which is usually a credit card. Even though it may be the highest balance, you're getting the biggest bang for the buck when you're paying that $333 to the 22% interest rate credit card. Because again, back to the earlier example is you're paying 22% in after-tax dollars. Right. So really, it's, you're saving a 30% rate of return or, or even higher, depending upon if you're in a higher tax bracket. But the one key to training for the Ironman, which is the same key with dealing with your finances is it's a long-term journey you're not going to get there overnight just like when you're trying to lose weight the quick weight loss usually doesn't work yeah. the, the the quick training plan to getting an ironman or doing a marathon results in injury and someone who goes into financial planning or changing their life from a financial standpoint it's gonna take years if, if you're in a situation that's not very good. It's not gonna be 30 days or 60 days or 90 days. It's simple, but it's not necessarily easy. It's simple because all you have to do is four things, but sometimes it's not easy because you have to make the choice to not buy the shoes. You have to make the choice to say to Madison Avenue, I'm not gonna look at that new ad for whatever purchase. You have to say to yourself, Keeping up with the Joneses is not as important as being in control of my personal finances. We want people to get off the treadmill and take back control of their personal finances. And once you take back control of your personal finances, every day is a beautiful day.
1: I, I can only imagine. Well, I can actually. I, I know what it was like when you when you don't when you have money in the bank and you're going to work because you. You get to go to work, not because you have to go to work. All of a sudden, going to work is a lot easier to go, go through too. I can, you know, I certainly hope that um, folks out there take a chance to uh, to pick up the Wealth Made Simple book because. It, I think it gives some great insights. You, you give some nice tips in here in terms of how to think about it. There's some uh, tools that you have in the book that uh, kind of give you a start on what's your picture today. Um, and you give some tips on how to try to just set a plan in motion and so that you can know what you're shooting for. Having a time-type goal sounds like that's a, a key thing, too. I want to do this by, by this point in time.
2: Absolutely. I looked at the Ironman and said, okay, in 18 months— I want to complete the Iron Man. So what am I going to do and when am I going to get there? Then everything else is simple. Create a plan that goes backwards from that. Same thing when it comes to your personal finances. It makes the choices unemotional. Get out of the emotion of money and get into the basic blocking and tackling. Is there kind of
1: a, an approach to determining what, what timeline am I on? You, you said 18 months for your for your uh, Ironman, which I feel like is pretty aggressive, when you were starting out at 75 pounds overweight and clearly not training at the time, that was crazy aggressive. Um, obviously you were able to achieve it, um, but uh, is there some measure of thought on how to determine what is a realistic uh, time timeline for XYZ
2: goal? Absolutely, and that's really where your financial coach comes in. Okay, That person can help, quote unquote, run the numbers for you. Okay. If I save X number of dollars per year, and my my goal is to have Y dollars coming out of my retirement assets when I'm 60 or 65, that financial coach, whether that CPA, financial planner, stockbroker, or someone that you just trust that's good with a calculator, can sit down and help you simplify the process. Yes, it is a little bit complicated running the calculations or running the software, but there's great software on the Internet. There's great people out there that can sit down and solidify that timeline for you. And it's a mini cycles that you go through this calculation where you may look at it and go, I want to retire or be financially free in 15 years, and I'm going to save this amount of money. Well, I can't get quite there. Well, I can save a little bit more, and I can push the timeline out a little bit. It's a... ebb and flow until you kind of really center into the mark
1: i see and now with the book wealth made simple on bookshelves now i can go to uh, absolutely amazon uh, amazon or, okay and uh i can tell you i got the book yesterday evening i sat down on the front porch it was a beautiful night to to be out there and uh, was able to read through it uh, very quickly uh, it's really straightforward it certainly makes it nice and simple for you know, someone such as myself, just an individual who's trying to get their, their, their financial situation in order. And, you know, with that, I want to shift gears a little bit. We've been talking with Dave Raglan and Joe Shum from uh, IRC Wealth and learning about how, one, clearly they're able to help individuals who are trying to improve on their financial situation and have a long-term plan that will let them actually maybe retire one day. Um, and, uh, but that's not all you do. Clearly, you, you have a big focus and a, and a place for the business owners, um, who obviously that we really try to serve here through the show. And so, can we talk about that a little bit in terms of your, you've got some, uh, outsourced CFO type services that you're able to provide for the, for the business owners around the community to, that maybe they're not quite big enough yet to to have it make financial sense to be employing a full-time CFO on staff, for for example. Can you talk about how how you help the, the business owner?
2: Absolutely. I was at Ernst & Young for five years and got a lot of great experience in accounting and tax and actually corporate finance and became a CFO for a large manufacturer here in town. And so what I learned from that process is the quality spent time looking at your company's finances from a strategic level. So many business owners work in the business, they sometimes fail to pull back the lens and work on the business. And so when you're looking at your business, just like you're looking at your personal finances is, where do I want to take this business? Do I want to sell it? Do I want to pass it down to my heirs? What is the strategic positioning of the company. From there, you can then look at creating an annual plan, which includes your annual financial budget. During that period of time, you're working on the business, not in the business, because you're having to look at where do I want to go. Once you're able to create that annual budget, then each month, you can use your financial statements that you're bookkeeper or controller or accountant prepares and compare what you actually did to what you wanted to do because it's the feedback loop that you're looking for if you're trying to lose weight and you you're at 225 pounds and you want to be 150 pounds and you never get on the scale how do you know whether you're going in the right direction or not and Mm -hmm. so the budget creates the scale that gives you the feedback. The feedback is the information, which is key to, again, stay unemotional about your money. And from that standpoint, you can create some sort of daily reporting guide that helps you know each day during the month, am I on track or am I not on track?
0: I see. Yeah, and the the budgeting thing is something that's really important, whether it's personal or it's business. And we, we are amazed at how many people we run into, either as a you know, in a personal financial discussion or our small business owners, how little they know about their own budget and they're unable to take their temperature on a daily, weekly, monthly basis and really know where they're at. And it's, it's really, it's a bit mind blowing that, that they don't have one installed. So we've been noticing over the last few days, as we've been sharing stories about places where we've been engaged and saying, wow, this is such a critical and basic part of the idea of simple making wealth simple. So.
1: I would imagine you probably run into that some with a privately owned business that's you know that's been running for a while, it's doing well, um, maybe making seven figures a year in revenue so that things are going well. But I, I imagine that it's, especially when you start out as a small private business, that it's easy to just kind of put the checks in the bank and pay the bills and not really yeah. have a particular target per se of what you're trying to do.
2: I would say 75% or more of the businesses that we have initial conversations with do not have a budget. So you've got people who are very successful running their businesses. However, they're not taking the time to measure how they're doing, and so they don't have the feedback at all. So that's one of the places that we start with every business is, where's your budget? I don't have one. Well, great, let's create one. And so the, the best time to really start thinking about your budget, and your planning is not January first of the calendar year; it's really ninety to one hundred and twenty days. So here we are, just getting into June. So in another ninety days, October, September one, October one, you need to start going ahead and thinking about. I need to start planning for next year, which is going to include my budget.
1: And so you you talked earlier about. There, there are some differences for the business and how they approach things. If I'm trying to, I want to build this up and take the golden parachute. I want somebody to swoop in and give me millions of dollars for my business, and I'm <laughs> going to go fading off into the sunset with my, my riches. There's one, That's one path, and then the other is I want to build this up and, and have my you know, nice lifestyle, but I'd like to transition it over to my kids or my family after lifestyle I'm gone. Business, yeah. Yeah. So what's... What's the difference in in terms of how you should approach one versus the other as a business
2: owner? I I think the major difference that people need to take from that question is there's two plans. There's a business plan and a personal financial plan, and they're not the same. I would say 90% of business owners want to build a business up, become the next Mark Zuckerberg, sell it for millions of billions of dollars and ride off into the sunset. But most businesses, if you look at the statistics, I would say less than 10% of businesses actually sell for an amount that you can actually retire on. So really, whether you're planning on selling the business or planning on transitioning the business to the next generation – your financial future and your retirement should really be built over years from cash flow that the business makes and if you do sell the business that's icing on the cake to your retirement and it's not the cake batter itself i see and and
1: so do you have uh, clearly not having a budget is one of the things that you, that you mentioned joe are there other find, other findings that you you come across as you get into interviewing your your clients that are common missteps that, that our business leaders often make as it relates to this side of their business, the finance side of their business.
2: I would say one of the major – if you don't have a budget, there's a significant amount of people that don't have monthly financial statements. And even if they do have monthly financial statements, they're not reviewing them. You know, they're not spending the time to sit down with their bookkeeper, controller, CPA, and say, hey, what went right and what went wrong? So I believe the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over and over again. Well, we're doing the same thing over and over and over again because we don't know, we don't have the information. So it all, you know, generally accounting, bookkeeping, that's, yeah, 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 that's the necessary evil to run in the business, which really, it's your game plan. It's your secret weapon to run your business more effectively is getting that information, whether you're a top-down or a bottom-up or you're a great guy who started this business and you're a sales guy and, yeah, I don't understand the numbers. Part of the outsource CFO's job is to really communicate the numbers to both financial people and non-financial people. That's really the benefit that our clients get from an outsourced CFO standpoint, whether they're buying it by the drink or we're being embedded on a part-time basis. You know, we're trying to give them the information through an effective communication vehicle so that they know more, because if I just give some a set of financial statements right. and they can't read them, I might as well be handing them a, <laughs> Some, you know, Chinese, something in yeah. a Chinese or yeah. Italian. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah.
1: So when does it make sense for me as a business owner to retain services like what you're providing? At what At what point does it probably make sense to have an outsourced CFO versus maybe one on staff? Is there kind of a a point at which that it begins to make sense to do do this model versus employing somebody because i mean it's expensive to have that person around if they're highly skilled and 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 well trained it's probably kind of expensive to have that person here all the time so when does it when does it make sense to have that person versus you
2: generally a business needs to have multiple locations or sales of 30 plus million dollars a year before they start hiring a true full-time CFO. Now they may have a full-time controller or full-time bookkeeper that works in the business every single day, but really the CFO's job is to communicate financial results to you, make sense of the numbers, help you in strategic planning situations, work with lenders or investors from that standpoint. So it's not a 40 hour a week job. You know, most businesses need somewhere between two and 10 hours a month from a CFO's perspective really to get them on the right path. It's almost like, okay, I'm starting out my diet. I'm going to meet with my nutritionist and I'm going to get the entire plan. I'm going to spend a lot of time with that person up front. And it is an investment up front that you see no results from immediately. But then it's that once a month once every two months that you're sitting back down with your nutritionist, with your coach, with your financial coach, and you're saying, okay, we're still on plan. We're still making progress. Here are the few tweaks that we see within the system because be available to make the investment early on because it is an investment, but then the investment dollars go down and the benefit goes up dramatically over time. It's all about being consistent and staying disciplined. And-
0: Go ahead. and i was going to say that um you know you mentioned the financial statements as one of the things we see as being sort of an indicator of the next level of a business and what its requirements are and i think you hit so- hit up on something that's really critical what i see in where, where we trend where we seem to excel is in that moment when a business is looking for some sort of outside influx of either cash either through loans or through investors. And this is the first thing that either a loan officer or an investor is going to look at is say, show me your financial statements. Let's see your your clients and what they're producing for you. And you just can't look in your head and go, Wow, I had that good month or that good quarter and and that's some sort of trend, right? They're going to sure. want to really pick your pocket a little bit to see how buttoned down you are. And I think that Dave, you know, that's that's one of the things that you know, you get uh a lot of requests for us help me develop financial statements because somebody's looking to help me grow the business, and it's a critical point. And it's the story behind the
2: financial statements because if you're making tons it's of true. money and your financial statements reflect that, you're not going to have any problem getting investors or loans. But nine out of ten businesses, you know, the business owner may be taking out. Uh, owner compensation in different ways that aren't necessarily shown directly <laughs> on the financial statements, mm. or there's a story behind, well, why is the business doing substantially better? Why are the margins better? What what, what controls did you put in? And a banker, rightfully so, or an investor is looking back over the last three years. And if you say, well, in the last four months, I've had a great business, but the last three years, I haven't, but I really have and the financial statements haven't shown it, they want to have someone on your team that does have an intimate knowledge of well what's behind the numbers. And that's really what a CFO is there for, is to really be able to communicate to the investor or to the lender your story.
0: Yeah, that's that's a big that's a big part of it. I think when I when I watch how we engage uh, at, at the CFO, uh, personal CFO or CFO for hire uh, part of our business is that point, the banks or the investors, they look to David or someone like David to uh, be the interpreter. And it really lends a huge amount of credibility because he is part of the organization, but he's also sort of you know third-party proof that says this is legitimate, what they're talking about or what the story is about their business and, and how effective it is. Is, is a good thing. Mm-hmm. And, and they look to him and say, wow, yeah, uh, we get it. Uh, let's go forward.
1: So when I'm talking to a privately held company uh, executive that owns the business, and they're in that $2 million to $50 million a year revenue space, and we're, we're talking about outsourcing such a key individual uh, that's part of the executive team. What's that conversation like? What's that relationship like? Because I'm sure that's a, that's a big deal. I want to know that, I mean, I'm handing this kind of important piece over to you. What's that, what's that ongoing relationship like as far as getting to know me, getting to know my business time you're spending with me, how am I going to get to talk to you?
2: It's a personal relationship. That's really what you're trying to foster because The CFO is there to communicate results to you. And if you don't have that one-on-one personal relationship with someone, they're not going to be effective for you. No matter how good their financial skills are, you need somebody that you like and that you trust and that understands the numbers and presents your company brand the way you want it presented. And they're also a little bit of a teacher, Because what you're hoping for is you're hiring an outsourced CFO or a full-time CFO to say, hey, take me to the next level when it comes to my financial statement presentation to the banks. And so it is a very intimate relationship that you develop over time. And it is developed over time. And we've had many stories where... You know, six months we have a great relationship, but six years later it's gone to the next level. And so, whether it's developing your personal financial plan, reorganizing your business, or creating a relationship with a CFO, it does take time and consistency. You cannot work with a CFO for one month and then. Not see him for three months and then, oh, expect him to know everything or her know everything four months later. It's even if it's one or two hours a month, it's about consistency and being on the same path and the same level.
1: How are you doing that? Do you do you come by? How do you get do they come to your office? You're coming by their 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 business. How does that interface happen?
2: A lot of times what happens is we work directly with either the bookkeeper or the controller, and we've come up with a very proprietary methodology of having the financial statements prepared what type of reports it's not only the financial reports it's the pipeline report where's our business coming from how much are we closing how is that coming into the backlog how is that showing up in the financial statements how is that then showing up in, in the cash flow statement as well so that's prepared so part of the investment is having a budget prepared. Part of the investment is understanding how that budget gets into the financial statements, creating a reporting package that we all agree on. Then once that's prepared, then on a monthly basis, in some, some circumstances, we're just doing a conference call and we're all looking at the same financial reports. And because we've done the same call for the last 24 months or the last 36 months or the last 48 months, and that we've all been in the same room to prepare the budgets... It is less of a production to go over the numbers because we're all speaking the same language. Mm -hmm. And and I know
1: that you must be pretty good at the relationship side of things. I was talking to Joe before we went on the air today. You want to talk a little bit about your evolution from – being a client of IRC Wealth to where you are now, with VP of Business Development with the company.
0: Yeah, it's a it's a pretty interesting <laughs> evolution. I thought that was that. you know pretty telling about <laughs>
1: uh, they got to be doing
0: something right. Yeah, uh, well, it it uh, it's a story I'm really pretty proud of. Um, you know, you, if you think about this conversation when it began many minutes ago, and we were talking about communication and so on, uh, it was my wife who initially met David uh, in a spin class. And uh, we were through our third or fourth financial advisor, wealth coach, uh, and just really pretty frustrated with the variety of people that we'd run through. And and she had met uh, David and came home to me and said, Hey, listen. Let's go back to spin class. I want this. I want you to meet this guy. And we went out for coffee. And I was very skeptical because I was I was beat up, you know. Sure, I mean, yeah, I was pretty yeah. beat up with the whole uh, fa uh, fa uh, culture. <laughs> but um, uh, long story short, on that is we connected as clients, um, got to know his his process and his system from a personal nature, and uh, it, and it helped us write our ship because we had had like you, we had had really nice income coming through. And, you know, every once in a while, there's a hiccup. We're like, oh, my God, now we're, we're choking a little bit. Like, yes. whoa, whoa. everything was so great, and now it's gone. And, yeah. and now we're, you know, taking three months to kind of get back to a good feeling again, a, yeah. good pl- a safe place, right? <laughs> right. So, um, but, you know, what morphed uh, there for us was um, I had a couple of small businesses. I had a real estate investment business. I had a laundromat and a dry cleaner, things like this. Dave started to actually use his CFO for higher skills with me to help me with those businesses. They were in the black, but... You know I wanted them to be profitable how could they benefit our personal income and our positioning there my wife was making a really good money but you know again you know sure. how could we make this all work and um, and I was working in these businesses and from there Uh, We formed a great friendship and we'd been friends for quite a long time and uh, We started working. I started working and supporting his CFO for higher practice as one of his team players, right? We have a team that's Diligently listening to us right now. I'm getting nice texts from them (laughs) They're very excited and it's great to have uh, a fan club there for Dave But um, but like those teammates back at the office I I became one of those and helped in some of the businesses for my skill sets and in the process of being a client and then working alongside Dave, I got to get a, an even greater appreciation for this for how this you know plays out to a business person or a or a business entity, I should say, because there's usually more than one person sure. involved, right? Yeah. And. Um, then uh from there we were working on IRC wealth to uh, David very unselfishly said I want to reinvest in the business I want to make the I want to bring my message out to more people both at the personal and business level I think you know I have a lot here that I'd like to say and it's really works and I want to share I want to share how you know they can they can realize the success that I have meaning me David And he said, uh, so we were working on that together over the summer and we brought in additional team players and things were really starting to take off. And he said, let's make this a formal thing. So back in November, I I came on full time and uh, working as a part of the IRC wealth team. And uh, it's been an amazing experience because we meet so many different personalities mm-hmm. and we're, we're broadening our reach out to different personas. The, the business person is someone we've been talking about here today, but you know we also have personas with a single professional women that seem to gravitate to our culture and our process. Women investors are great. They're very disciplined and they're very successful if you can help them find a path. And I think that you know, our industry in general sort of ignores the way women look at money and finances and building wealth, and it's something that uh, David personally does very well. It's in his persona, and, and we as a firm have built a culture around it. So that's another area that we excel at, and uh, they're some of the most pleasant and wonderful clients to work with, and they just, you know, they, they make us look good. And, uh, and I would also say that uh, we do well with what we call the nearly retired, which we all hope to be here soon, right? <laughs> so, right. You know, someone who's been working with us for, you know, has been working in a place for 20, 25 years. They've got substantial 401k. Uh, their wife or, or husband may have been managing the home or running a side business. And now they're getting to a point where it's like, hey, it's time to pull the ripcord, move on to something else. But they haven't really, as Dave says, chosen the road to take to get to wherever it was they wanted to go, and so we find that too is a really cool persona that's emerged from our client base, both from business owners and from uh, and from personal uh, clients as well. So. Uh, it's been a really exciting time for us, uh, Charles. We really dig it.
1: And Joe, when when you were talking about the fact that you had some experience with other financial advisors out there, what did you find was the thing that kind of turned you off to the to that relationship?
0: Well, that that. Uh that could be a book in itself. We should uh, <laughs> consider. Uh, we should consider that in uh, Dave's the, the, list of books.
1: Do a book of don'ts.
0: Do, do a book of don'ts. But um, you know, that's 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 an awesome question. I think that where it really came down to was the motivation of the people you worked with. Yeah. Where, where was it? You know, in some cases, I think they're motivated by the sale. You know, it's just the way that the business is constructed, right? And they're driving their people, motivating them by sale. So they look at products, investment products, yep. or, or strategies that help build their commission. And, and, and there's nothing wrong with that. It's the way they're motivated. I'm a career sales and marketing guy. I, I understand commissioning. Um, and But in many cases where they missed the boat is the overall view of the rest of your life. The, you know what's your budget look like? you know is your income going to change? what's life looking for you like today three years, five years? Um, everyone builds the book and hands it to you but does it ever come off the shelf have you ever look at it again to say, hey, remember this book we did this this plan that we did back you know ten years ago what's it look like now? does it even match what your life is like today? Have you had children? have you lost a job? have you taken in a relative you know all these different things so that, that consistent and constant readdressing of where you are, taking your temperature, and seeing how it applies to your ultimate goals was really lacking in a lot of FAs, um, or, or the FA, I should say the FA uh, marketplace, right? Mm-hmm. And, um, and, and just, to, just to say one other thing, I was reading, I was sort of in the self-help book mode, <laughs> and uh, which, you know, of course, Dave's written a, a really relevant one, and I was reading uh, Kiyosaki's, you know, Rich Dad Poor Dad, and I was really taken by it. And this was many years ago, and it was handed to me by a friend of Mars who was sort of like whatever was the way to get rich quick this week, you right, know. Right, and right. so she she had a <laughs> treasure trove of, of a, a library just you know ad nauseum of you know how to get rich quick, which is, is really not her story. It's, but um, in it, you know, uh, Robert Kiyosaki had mentioned, you know, finding someone who can help guide you from 50,000 feet. You know, I went through, I I just never thought that person existed. And uh, in in finding David, it it became evident really quick. And so we had some tough spots that we were able to cruise through, which I think without some of that guidance, we wouldn't have understood it. And it, it would have, like you said, it would have made the wound take a lot longer to heal. Yeah.
1: Well and and that's that's the sense that I've gotten in interacting with you all as we were leading up to the show and then of course here and and uh, after reading the the book Wealth Made Simple that that it's it's not about getting rich certainly not get, getting rich quickly but it's taking the wealth that you're producing and actually having a plan so that whatever level it is, it sounds like you can apply what you're talking about here and actually have a fairly stress-free life that actually has uh, the potential for some retirement at the end, or if you're a business owner, perhaps some transition or the opportunity to sell with some measure of success at the end of it.
2: Right. The one thing my father always told me, the only thing you get quick is poor. (laughs) (laughs) and (laughs) so that's awesome you get wealthy over time and if you look at any successful business or individual they're generally not the person who is taking the get rich quick they're taking the long road they're doing the hard work and yeah sometimes it is hard but overall it becomes easier and easier and easier because the less debt you have the easier it becomes Or the more cash in the bank that you have as a business that you're able to ride the ups and downs. And, yeah, it it is an investment just like, you know, getting on the scale and trying to lose the weight. You, You have to retrain the body. You have to retrain the business. You have to retrain your business spending. But long term, you're so much healthier in all respects.
1: Yeah. And and before we run out of time, I, guess I, I, I knew that we, once I got to talking to you, fellas, that we were probably going to chat for a while. Um, what kind of th- thoughts do we have left that we haven't talked about today that we need to leave uh, the listeners with today before we jump off?
0: You know, from my, from my perspective um, as a, uh a, still a client I should say so uh, very happy um david just I let you know um <laughs> but uh from my perspective I would say you know look for the person who tells the king he's not wearing any clothes yep all right that whoever you decide to choose is that person who can speak with candor you know the I went through three or four people who said oh you guys are doing great you're doing great I ran into david he's like you are not even close and here's why. And he said it in a very gentle manner, but it was, it was one in which I had to really step back and reconsider life. And I would say that whether you're a business owner or whether you're an individual investor, that you know look for that person who is willing and able to build a relationship with you where you can be candid.
2: And I would add one other point. When you're looking for a financial coach, a personal CFO, an outsource CFO for your business, You don't have to make the decision immediately. You know, do your own due diligence with someone and maybe start working with them just a little bit. Because the best due diligence is to actually go through the process. You know, we go through a coaching process. You know, people go through interviews with potential employees. But really, from an outsourced CFO standpoint, it's great. You can buy by the drink. And over time, develop that relationship. Don't jump into the deep pool unless you want to go with 2,000 Ironman swimmers at the same time.
1: And and for you, Joe, as, as somebody who kind of went through that experience where you worked with some people that were less than satisfying for you as far as how they approached things with you, do you have some advice on some questions to have that, that might help? Now that you know what you know, and now that you've been here as, as a part of this team and see how your culture is, see how you approach your clients and what you're trying to do for them, do you have some suggested questions of, as to what you might want to ask somebody if they're not fortunate enough to be sitting with one of your folks uh, up front to, to maybe get a, to save some of that headache?
0: Yeah, sure. And, and and I would preface that by saying there is a lot of really cool you know FAQs out there on the web. Uh, that talk about this. But from my own personal pr- perspective, I would say, you know ask questions regarding how are, we, how are we going to get our handle around you know what my current life looks like? You know, Have you done things like work with budgeting before with your clients? Um, you know what do you think about building cash reserves before you actually invest? Um, how do we analyze my expenses versus my income so that I'm, you know, first developing, uh, a, a less stressful day-to-day lifestyle and then able to carve out whatever's left over as I start to eliminate debt and so on to invest. A lot of invest, uh, investment types are gonna be less reticent to do that because, or more reticent to do that because they want you to get going. Right. And so it's just more along the lines of how much do you have to spend today? Right. Well, I got 150 bucks, you know, oh, geez, I don't have
1: a product that. that little, yeah. Yeah. That, that kind of right. Thing. right. All you.
0: right. So here's TD Waterhouse. Please come and, <laughs> and, uh, and open up an account and do it yourself. Right. right. And not, nothing. Else. I, I think Waterhouse is fabulous. Um, but um, but now all of a sudden you're a DIY guy. Uh, so I would I would really look to that. I would really look to the person that is willing to step up and say, yeah, I'll work with you, even though right now you have nothing left to carve out.
2: I think I would add one other point. When you're talking to someone and they're making recommendations or they're telling you how you should do it, you have to ask them, is this what you're doing? You know, Because when I talk to a client and I say, these are the four things that you have to do, I am eating my own dog food You know, about spending less and having no debt and being a risk manager and making sure that I have a, a safety net that works well for me. You know, because that to me tells a lot because it's okay to say, well, Joe, go do this, but I'm going to do something totally different if they're not willing to share their personal story with you and that you don't get the same indications that what they're telling you to do is what they're doing themselves personally or what they're doing for their parents, then maybe you should interview multiple
0: people. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. I think that's almost like a marriage in the sense that, you know, look for I'm a big fan of, you know, the best relationships are relationships where you share a similar background or growing up as the person you're trying to create a relationship with, whether it be, you know, in a marriage or whether it be a friendship or an employer-employee relationship or, in this case, with a with a financial coach. And, and, you know, David and I have very similar backgrounds in how we grew up, you know, uh, socioeconomically, right? That, that plays a role, too, you know? I mean... I, I think that that's, it's sort of a secondary thing, but that's how you build a relationship with someone that you're going to be speaking about some very emotional and sensitive sure. uh, subject matter.
1: Well, tell folks where they can get in touch with you, and then, of course, uh, as we said earlier, Wealth Made Simple, Yes, Really by David Ragland is available on Amazon, and I highly recommend it. It's a very fast read. It's not uh, one of those arduous, tedious books to, to try to get through. It's very straight to the point, uses some great analogies, and uh, offers some, some tools in there that one can get started with today to get a picture of where I'm at today and uh, start to form some measure of a plan on what to do with uh, – Take advantage of time that you do have available to you.
0: Yeah, no, that, that's a great lead. And uh, you can find a, a myriad of, of tools and content on www.ircwealth.com. We've been really projecting on a lot of really cool stuff over the last nine to 12 months. There are free tools out there, the, the stuff that's mentioned in the book. We now have some nice automated sheets that you can download and and with instructions that help you build And there are ways from which you can communicate with us there. It's a great starting point and, and there's some great advice. And, and what we would say is we, we want to be a clearinghouse for this information. Whether or not you come to IRC to work with us is not as important to us as actually doing something to take control of your financial life. And that's what's really important to us. And that's why we've moved into this into this area. so.
1: Well, that, that that makes it easy even at this early stage in getting to know you all. that uh, makes me want to, say, get to know these people just because it, it feels clear to me that you're here to help people. Yeah. It, it, there's nothing wrong with making a good living while you're doing that. I don't have any problems at all referring people to somebody on a fee-for-service basis when mm-hmm. I know – that they, they truly are invested in in that individual's outcome. And I get that here. It's not a matter of what can I sell you in terms of the financial products that's going to make me some good money. Uh, we're sounds like someone's going to get a really nice personalized plan and a personalized approach from folks who are already doing what they're talking about. So that's really great. I want to tell you guys, thanks so much for taking some time out of your day. I know you're busy people and have things to do. So coming to share some information. We'll have to have you back. We didn't really talk about risk reduction this time, so we'll have oh, to yeah. have you back. Absolutely. Uh, help companies know how they can... You you know, reduce the risk that their business or even our personal life there's some ways it sounds like that you can reduce your individual risk as well that might help you financially so we'll have to have you back maybe bring a happy client or, or two that can talk about how it helped their business or their personal finances as well so that folks can get that much better of a picture on what we're talking about here it's a
0: great idea
2: look forward to
1: it well if you've not done so already make sure you tie in with the, the Midtown Business Radio Show we're on Facebook and Twitter at MidtownBRX on both ends we're already tied in with IRC uh, Wealth on the, the Twitter side and we'll make sure we're, we're doing that on Facebook as well so that you can get LinkedIn to the information they're putting out uh, through us as well. Make sure you turn around and share this information with the people in your network because I guarantee you there's somebody out there, if it's not you, that you know that is either themselves or their business is in a place where they could use a little bit of uh, of coaching to, to get them on the right path and maybe have a little bit less stress in their daily lives. So uh, get to know the folks at uh, IRC Wealth. I really appreciate them taking some time. We'll see you all here same time, same place next week. We'll see you then.